to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist interview at the War Memorial Opera House. My name is Claire Sheridan. I'm the founder of the LEAP program at St. Mary's College of California, and I'm your host here today for the San Francisco Ballet Center for Dance Education. It's Sunday, March 29th, 2015, and this is program five. Many of these Meet the Artist interviews are available as podcasts on our website at sfballet.org. So with that in mind, I'd also like to welcome our online listeners. My guest today began her formal training at the San Francisco Ballet School. She joined the company as a dancer and after performing soloist and principal roles for 16 years with a five-year break in there to dance with American Ballet Theater in New York, she transitioned into the role of ballet mistress for the Oakland Ballet. She also became a successful choreographer. Then in 1992, she returned to SFB to serve as a ballet master and since then it's been her job to work with our dancers so that they can perform at their best. We'll be seeing the fruits of her labor this afternoon. Ladies and gentlemen, please meet Betsy Erickson. Hi, pleasure to be here. Well, to get, to get started, let's, um, if you could tell us, what does a ballet master do? What are your responsibilities? Well, um, a ballet master does whatever it takes, really, to put a ballet from the studio onto the stage. Uh, and that could include working with the composer, working with the conductor, costume department, uh, but mainly it's in the studio with the dancers, teaching the role, reteaching the role, rehearsing the roles, um, and putting the ballets together so that we can then also put them on stage, space them, rehearse them, uh, whatever it takes, really. We're, when a guest choreographer comes from out of town, we're sort of the liaison who helps connect them to the different departments of the company and uh, just helps them transition into uh, working in our studios with our dancers and the incredible production staff that we have. Um, there's so much work into bringing a ballet like Don Quixote to life. What was your job in regards to this particular ballet? I noticed you at dress rehearsal. I was sitting back there and you were watching so intently and then you went upstage and you were giving notes. So wh who were you working with particularly in this ballet? Well, in this ballet, I work primarily with the dryads scene, which is in the second act. Um, the dryads, the little cupids who are children from the school, six little girls from our school and then the company, and also Cupid, who is, has a solo, and the Queen of the Dryads, who has a solo. So that's one of my primary focuses. And then also in the third act, the bridesmaids and the friends uh, who dance for the wedding. Basically, the third act is the wedding scene. And you mentioned working with choreographers. Um, so you're in the studio to assist them. Does each choreographer have a different way of working? I mean, you've worked with Christopher Wielden, Alexei Ratmansky. Do they have a different way that you have to prepare for? Uh, every choreographer works in a different way. Some like you to be vocal in rehearsals. Some like you to not say anything. <laughs> Mark Morris is one of those in that category. He, I, I only speak bare minimum uh, in Mark's rehearsals because he really doesn't want to be distracted. But then when he wants input or when he wants suggestions or whatever, he'll ask me. Um, I've 
worked with a lot with Val Canaparoli over the years, and Val and I have a, a really good working relationship. We used to dance together, and now I assist him uh, as a choreographer, and he likes a lot of conversation. He'll constantly ask, what do you think? What about this? Uh, just to use me as a kind of a, another eye, another perspective on his work, and I gladly give him whatever I see and whatever I think, and we talk about it. So in that way, we're very vocal. And the other choreographers some, fall somewhere in between. Of um, You just find a way when over the years you've worked with a choreographer many times, you find a way of being really supportive, helpful, stay out of their way, uh, whatever they need. I've found a way to work with each of them, and it's it's different with each, and it's wonderful. They're all wonderful artists, and it's just a, that moment of amazing creation in the studio is probably the most magical and the most energizing because it's really when something comes from someone's head and it becomes visual, and that's a totally amazing time. Now, you reset Mark Morris's Maelstrom for the San Francisco Ballet, and you recently won an Isadora Duncan Award for that effort, and folks, an Izzy Award is like an Emmy or an Oscar for Bay Area Dance. My first question is, where do you keep your award? Where do I keep my <laughs> award? Uh, right now, it's in my bedroom. Um, well, what does it mean to reset a ballet? I mean, it, it means it's been several years since we did Maelstrom. We did it last year in the season, and then we also took it to Paris on tour. Uh, it means really starting from scratch, putting it together, and um, only a few of the dancers had actually danced in Maelstrom. So it was really like starting from the beginning of putting it together, and it's, it's an amazing piece. It's the first work that Mark did for the company, um, and it, it's absolutely beautiful. Musically, I can always count on Mark being amazing. Um, but also visually, compositionally, uh, absolutely beautiful work. And each time I've taught it, I've also uh, taken it or taught it to other companies in the U.S., um, it's like this amazing puzzle, this amazing, amazingly beautiful jewel that just has so many facets. And I never tire of this work because it's it's always discovering I'm... I'm discovering something new in it each time, and it's, it's just wonderful to see it come to life, and that's, that's the amazing thing that we all do in the studio is bring our art alive. Uh, it's not alive in any other way. You can't hang it on a wall, and I mean, you can have videos of it, but still the live performance and the physicality in the studio and on the stage is when something like that lives. But how is the choreography recorded or documented so that you can teach it? I mean, do, you, do you memorize all the roles or have a secret notation system that you use? Uh, I do have a notation system that I use um, and I do memorize all the roles. And we also have videos, you know, which are, are very complete. I mean, given the wonderful electronics that we have now, uh, in the studio and at the Opera House, we film quite a few performances. But it's still, it's not, it's not as three-dimensional. It doesn't account for the, 
for the real three-dimensionality of a work, and also it's perspective-wise. Something like Maelstrom has a tremendous composition that's very third-dimensional, and um, it's, it's hard to tell because when you're looking at a video screen, you're just seeing kind of a, a two-dimensional work. So in that case, I have a lot of charts, a lot of little drawings that I do that remind me of where people are placed on the stage, which wing they come out of, uh, wing is the entrances that are on the stage, and um, where they are in relation to like the center, things like that. So I, I document very carefully. I use videos and I also use my memory. I can't even remember good. where I put my car keys. Okay. <laughs> uh, can you, getting back to the ballet today, can you talk about the role of Kitri? Kitri is a really, uh, it's a wonderful role. It's a very demanding role because it requires the ballerina to not only be, um, to sort of dance in a Spanish style because it takes place in Spain and a lot of the music has kinds of rhythms, Spanish rhythms. Um, and it's very, it's very physical, it's very energetic. And then she also has this wonderful slow variation and sequence in the dryad scene, which is the dream that Don Quixote has of Dulcinea, his ideal woman. And she is in that role. So she goes from very fast and very energetic does a very slow adagio in the gypsy camp, and then right away into a tutu, and she's dancing in the dryad scene in a very classical, very pure way. Back in the tavern, she's again in her red outfit, and she's dancing um, very energetic and very quick. And then, of course, the third act is the potida, which is so traditional. Um, it's often done in excerpt in galas and things like that, the Don Quixote Parada, and that's the third act. So she goes through a wide range of styles, a wide range of energy. I know both she and Basilio, the dancers, are just wiped out after they've done a performance of it. Um, there are other characters that uh, Kitri interacts with. Can you talk a little bit about a couple of those characters? Sure, There's uh, Don Quixote has some wonderful character roles um, that are just Fabulous. There's, of course, Don Quixote, who is the dreamer, who, who dreams of b this chivalrous kind of um, journey to uh, defend virtue and to seek out truth and beauty and all of that. And his search is for what he reads in the book of Dulcinea, and that's part of his dream. So he's... Um, He's on a journey. We have actually, we have a wonderful horse that he rides on the stage. His sidekick is Sancho Panza, who is um, more interested in food, actually, than anything else. He rides on a donkey, and um, they, they travel together. And Sancho Panza really becomes a companion and a kind of a, a guide for him. When he when Don Quixote gets a little bit lost, Sancho Panza brings him back and says, now calm down and you know sit down and take a breath. Um, then we have this wonderful Espada, who is a Toreador. I think it was based on a, a world-famous Toreador of, I don't know, 
from, I assume from Spain. Espada is a wonderful um, dance with the Toreadors with a cape and everything. And Mercedes, who is a street dancer in the first act, and she appears in all three acts as well. Wonderful Spanish dancing, wonderful rhythms, um, just very, very colorful. There's Lorenzo, who is Kitri's father, who doesn't want her to marry Basilio. He wants her to marry Gamache. And Gamache is very wealthy, um, sort of an arranged marriage, but she doesn't want to marry him. She wants to marry Basilio, but he's a barber. He has no money. So that's kind of the situation. <laughs> If you're just joining us, I'm talking with ballet master Betsy Erickson, and in a short while we'll be able to take some questions from the audience. And also, some of you may be aware of um, San Francisco Ballet's new lookbook. It's a souvenir, 72 pages of fabulous photos of our dances, and it's available online and at the ballet shop uh, here in the Opera House, second floor box level. And uh, right after this interview, Betsy will be at the Opera at the, um, the shop there to sign your lookbook if you so desire. So um, she'll be available from after this interview until the beginning of the performance to sign your book. Now, why do you enjoy being a ballet master? What do you look forward to about the job? Uh, I enjoy working with the choreographers, as I mentioned before. It's really the, the moments in the studio that are the most rewarding is seeing a ballet come to life. Uh, the dancers, wonderful dancers in the company. We have a big company of 72, 75 dancers, uh, and they're, they're wonderful. They're terrific artists. They're very dedicated to their work, um, and they work very hard. Our, our season is really nonstop once we get into it. Well, we start with Nutcracker in December, and then January we start with a gala, and then eight programs, and it's really nonstop. And they're, they're so hardworking. I mean, it, it's amazing, really, to think of at least six, seven hours a day of nonstop physical activity that is uh, so demanding, plus an hour and 15 minutes class every morning to begin with. The day is, is a long day. Everybody works really hard. And... Uh, I think the result is, is so rewarding to see these performances, to see the company come to life this way. It, it's so rewarding. That makes my day. Well, what's the most difficult aspect of your job? <laughs> well, sometimes there, there are many challenges just of getting a ballet on stage in a very short amount of time. Sometimes we'll have three or four days to actually put a ballet together. That's tremendously challenging, and I, I have to do a lot of advanced work so that I can maximize my hours in the studio to make sure that I can get that ballet to top-notch form uh, and performed at, at the best level it can. That's the biggest challenge. That's what makes it hard, but makes it rewarding, too. Well, let's go back to when you were a professional dancer. What roles did you like to perform? I had really a wide range. I, I was very fortunate in American Ballet Theater to work with uh, many famous choreographers. Anthony Tudor, Jerome Robbins, Agnes DeMille, um, Elliot Feld, Michael Smune, uh, 
it was a very, very, it was kind of the golden years of ABT at that time. And in San Francisco Ballet, I danced repertoire of works by Balanchine, Lou Christensen, um, Michael Smune, wide, wide range of, of wonderful ballets. And those, those are good years. You know, when you're challenged with many different styles, many different, um, like the Balanchine repertoire is so wide, such a wide range uh, and so challenging. It was wonderful. I enjoyed it. Do ballet dancers have slumps like baseball players? Slumps. Uh, I don't think you can afford a slump, really. <laughs> you don't have time to be in a slump. You know, you have times when you have maybe some physical injuries or some problems. I was actually very fortunate to have very few injuries as a dancer. Nothing major, actually. Some, your proudest achievement? Were you just, if you could relive, you know, one performance, what would you want to do again? Oh, I don't know. Um, probably Swan Lake or Symphony in C, Balanchine Symphony in C. I did uh, the second movement many, many, probably hundreds of times, uh, as well as the Nutcracker hundreds of times. Always very rewarding and very fulfilling, uh, really Wonderful to feel that in tune with the music and the choreography and my partner. Yeah, very rewarding. And now, talking about career transition, for, for many dancers, that career transition is hard because you're, 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 your mind says go, go, go when you're 35 or 40, and your body says no, no, no. And you, you just have to retire when you sometimes don't want to. How was the transition for you when you stopped performing on stage and, and started working behind the scenes? It was actually, I had a really good transition because I had been working as a choreographer uh, before I retired and I had been working with the Oakland Ballet. And so the transition into being a ballet master with Oakland Ballet was kind of a natural transition. Uh, it was everything that I was doing, teaching, choreographing, and rehearsing. Um, the only element that wasn't there anymore was being a dancer, but I had danced up until I was almost 40, which uh, I think is a really good long career. It was about 20 years, really. And um, to be able to do that, and I felt like I wanted to make that transition while I was still dancing at my best, not on the downhill slide. So I did. I said, I'm going to dance this last year. That's all. And I had made up my mind, I'd set my goals, and I went for it. And I danced better than ever, I think, that last year. Because I knew that it would be, you know, my last opportunity. And uh, I felt really great. It was a good year. People were saying, are you sure you want to retire? I said, yes, I've made my decision. I'm making a transition, and that's what I'm going to do. Uh, we can now take some questions from the audience. Um, in the interest of time, please help me by making your questions short, so I, I do need to repeat them. So who has a few quest a question? How much physical training is necessary for a dancer, especially if they want to avoid injuries? Yeah. A lot, 
A lot of, yes. We do a lot of Pilates. We do a lot of yoga. We have um, a whole gym over at the ballet building of equipment. Um, I, it's really important. It's really important to keep core training strengths, to keep that um, going. I, dancers are constantly working out. Uh, the men are lifting weights. They're doing everything they can to keep their bodies strong to avoid injuries. And dancers every day take an hour and 15 minute class to start the day, which is a warm up, but it's also a training uh, session as well. So I would say that a good percentage of a dancer's life is spent in training and in working out. Yes. Can you say who your favorite male partner was? Be careful. <laughs> I had many. I had many. Um, actually, you'll see a couple of them on stage today. Jim Sohm was one of my, he's playing Don Quixote today. Um, I love dancing with Jim. Uh, Val Canaparoli and I danced together quite a bit. Uh, he's the tavern, the innkeeper today. <laughs> so you'll see two of them on stage. Um, there, there were many over the years. Yeah. Other questions? Yes. Do you continue to exercise the way that you used to exercise? And the question is, you're in great shape. How do you do it? <laughs> I do continue to exercise, not as vigorously as I did as a dancer, but I have a kind of a regime that I do every day, which is about 45 minutes a day. And then I uh, also work uh, with a trainer of physical therapy once a week, and I do a ballet class once a week. So, um, and then when I have a chance, I take a nice walk in the park, a brisk walk. So I do quite a bit. And in the studio, I'm up and moving every day. So I do exercise quite a bit. I try to stay in good shape so that I can show movements and keep myself healthy. One last question. Were you at ABT with Barishnikov? And if so, did you ever dance with him? I was in ABT just after... I was in ABT when Makarova was there, um, so I didn't have a chance to dance with him, and probably I wouldn't because I'm fairly tall, and he's fairly small, so it probably wouldn't have been, uh, except for something like Prodigal Son, or it wouldn't have been a good match, probably. Um, but I certainly did see him dance a lot. What a beautiful dancer, yeah. We're uh, just about out of time, but I have three announcements. Betsy will be signing copies of the lookbook at the ballet shop, box level, until 2 p.m. today. You can listen to these podcasts of the Meet the Artist interviews and learn more about SFB on our website, uh, sfb.org. And most importantly, please join me in thanking our guest today, ballet master Betsy Erickson. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you.